In this episode, we will learn about the foundation of visual perception with the visual perceptual hierarchy. You will learn to appreciate your vision, your perception, and how we function in our daily activities thanks to all this. It's how OTs see the world. You are listening to the OT Dude Occupational Therapy Podcast. This podcast explores who occupational therapists are, what they do, and how they are changing our lives for the better by promoting engagement in everyday activities that are important to us or our occupations. This podcast will discuss various healthcare and wellness topics, review core subjects for exams, update you on the latest research and trends, and get you excited about the wonderful profession of occupational therapy. Now, here is your host, Jeff, the OT Dude. The visual perceptual hierarchy model was developed by occupational therapist Mary Warren for the evaluation and treatment of visual perceptual deficits in adults with acquired brain injury. However, it also helps to explain how we see and perceive the world around us. According to Warren, visual perceptual skill is conceptualized as a hierarchy of skill levels, like a pyramid that builds on each level below it. Higher skill levels, such as visual cognition, build on lower levels, such as visual acuity. Why is this important? A disruption to a lower level such as visual acuity, as is the case with someone like me who needs to wear glasses, would result in difficulty in higher levels of visual perception if the lower level was not corrected first. Functionally, I would not be able to drive without wearing glasses first, even though the skill of driving itself is not the issue. Having an appreciation for this model helps OTs to treat clients such as those with stroke. Stroke itself can present many physical, cognitive, and psychosocial barriers to daily function. Because we use our eyes so much, you can imagine how a deficit such as a field cut can affect someone who had a stroke with even simple tasks such as eating food from a plate. What is cool about this hierarchy model is that it uses a top-down approach to explain visual perceptual function. You can, of course, look at it with a bottom-up approach to address specific deficits with a remedial strategy or if less likely to be rehabbed with the more compensatory model. This will help guide your intervention planning and treatment for you to understand what happened to your client, such as visual field loss versus an attention issue with neglect. The example that Warren used is that you will learn to put on underwear first before putting on a necktie. Many of us have learned terms to explain our vision and perception. Terms like figure ground and visual closure may sound familiar to you if you have taken a psychology course or have learned about vision in another course. These concepts still apply, and no, you should not forget about them just yet. Let's talk about the hierarchy of visual perceptual skill in the nervous system. Think of this hierarchy as a pyramid. We'll start from the top and work our way to the bottom foundation of visual perception. The highest level of visual perceptual skills is called visual cognition. Visual cognition is the ability to mentally manipulate visual information and integrate it with other sensory information. Visual cognition allows us to solve problems, plan, and make decisions. Visual cognition allows us to read, write, do math, and hold jobs. According to psychologists, visual cognition is the combination of visual data with prior knowledge to construct high-level representations and make unconscious decisions about the world. Examples of vocations that rely heavily on visual cognition are artists, engineers, surgeons, architects, and video editors. You probably have experience with visual cognition when you play video games or use a new smartphone app. Below visual cognition in the hierarchy is visual memory. This one is easier to understand. Visual memory allows us to recall an image through storage and retrieval. An example of when you use visual memory is a card matching game when you flip one at a time and remember where it is on the table, or at least try to remember where it is on the table. We also have stored memory of shapes, 
letters, numbers, objects, even faces. Long-term visual memory helps us to remember and recognize someone. An example of short-term visual memory are those optical illusions where you may see one thing and if you shift your focus, you see another, but the image itself remains unchanged, on paper that is. In order to have visual memory, we need to build on it with the next hierarchy level below. Pattern recognition. Pattern recognition is the identification of salient features of an object. Features of an object such as shape and contour, color and texture are some examples. Humans can be pretty good at finding patterns, but also can easily be fooled by them, as is the case with 2D visual illusions you may have seen such as in a psychology course or on the internet. A familiar example is when you analyze data such as a plot graph that fits a bell curve. The graph is technically made of individual data points when looked at in detail, but when you look further out, kind of away from the image and away from the data points, you may see a pattern that fits perhaps a bell curve. Stock market graphs are similar to that too. So okay, pretty straightforward. Scanning is the next level below pattern recognition. What allows for pattern recognition is using our eyes to scan the area of interest and then to see it systematically to find a pattern. To recap, we have at the top visual cognition, then visual memory, pattern recognition, now scanning. You scan when you read, when you cross the street, when you shop at a store, when you do a jigsaw puzzle. You may follow an organized scanning pattern, such as with reading or a more random one, depending on what you're looking at. In order to have visual scanning, you depend on visual attention. Think about the term attention in general. For example, in school, if you have poor attention, then you likely cannot focus on the chalkboard to even scan to read what's on it. Visual attention can be influenced by attention in general. When I talk about attention, think about arousal in the brainstem, that kind of thing. If you are asleep, you're not attending. Have you ever watched TV or a movie while sleepy and your attention starts to drift and you no longer attend to what is on the screen? You may hear sounds from the speakers, but your eyes kind of lose focus. It's kind of like that. Or when you're multitasking, such as working on the computer and talking on the phone and shift your focus to the conversation, you're technically still looking at the screen, but your visual attention really shifts focus to your hearing of the phone conversation. According to Warren, to have good visual attention, you need to be both alert and attending. Now, we have reached the bottom of the hierarchy pyramid. This is composed of three components on the bottom level. To remember this, you can kind of remember that a foundation of the pyramid needs to be big and wide, so it has three components. This is considered the most bottom-up in terms of occupational therapy for top-down versus bottom-up. If you're working with a client with visual perceptual difficulties, you may want to know if there are any issues with these foundations, so you start from here. For example, in order to catch a ball, which requires arm coordination, someone needs to have the ability to voluntarily control their muscles, such as flexing their digits. This flexing of the digits in voluntary motor control is similar to these three basic components. These three are, this is a hard one to say, oculomotor control, then we have visual fields, last we have visual acuity. So, oculomotor control, or control of the eyes. While this itself can be very complicated and depends on components of the brain, including cranial nerves, by the way, check out episode 2, Cranial Nerves, if you'd like to learn more. We have muscles, nerves, neurons, and so on. The concept itself is easy to understand. Damage to oculomotor control can result in misalignment of the eyes and deficits such as diplopia, or double vision. Visual fields is what we see in a scene through our eyes. There can be damage to a visual field resulting in a blind spot. 
What's interesting about visual field compared to, say, other animals such as insects is that it is quite limited in humans. We can only see a certain angle above, below, left, and right in each eye. We depend on moving our eyes or scanning in the higher level of the pyramid to see the world completely. See, this is starting to come together and make more sense. Last, we have visual acuity, or our ability to focus and see or read. Poor visual acuity requires visual adaptations such as glasses, contacts, or possibly surgery. As an OT, you should remember that visual acuity and vision in general depends on lighting. There should be good lighting, low glare, and ideally decreased distracting stimuli such as distracting backgrounds, colors, or patterns to allow focus on specific stimuli that you're interested in. Of course, the real world is more complex and dynamic. But this is one way you can control how difficult your treatment sessions are for clients who have significant difficulties such as those with left neglect after a stroke. Putting this all together, you can see how one level depends on another. If there is a deficit in one level, it will be difficult for a client to achieve higher level function leading up to visual cognition. Since even basic ADLs depend on visual cognition, it can be difficult for someone with a deficit in any of these components to participate in such functions as eating, showering, or even getting dressed. As IADLs are naturally more complicated, tasks such as reading, driving, or even holding a job can be significantly affected. And this is just one component of vision alone. Add to this physical musculoskeletal impairment, poor balance, cognitive impairments, psychosocial impairments, and you can see how our clients may experience occupational deprivation. But there is hope. When we notice a deficit in a specific component, we can either rehab by remediation or overcome with compensation. OTs using this model can take a top-down or bottom-up approach to rehab. At the end of the day, it does not matter if you work on a component with a bottom-up approach or take a holistic top-down approach. If you achieve function with occupation as a means or as an end, you can consider that a win for your client. Add to this motivation from the client through collaborative goal-setting and graded activities, and it is possible but not easy to overcome such barriers and allow our clients to achieve function in their occupations. In summary, the visual perceptual hierarchy helps occupational therapists to understand from both a top-down and bottom-up approach to how we and our clients see and perceive the world to achieve what Warren calls adaptation through vision. This is what allows clients to engage in their daily occupations. If you are interested in reading this article, I will post a link in the show notes. For more free OT resources including OT practice guides, rehab calculators, salary guide, reference guide, and more, check out otdude.com. I'm Jeff with OT Dude, and this is the OT Dude Podcast. Take care and see you in the next episode in 2021. Happy New Year!